Coming up on this week's episode, Talking Points features a terrible first half for Chelsea and a terrible full game for Manchester City. We look at the new controversial handball rule, Wonders of White is back, and so is the story from Liam, so let's get started. Hello and welcome to View from the Sideline podcast, episode three. It's Chris here and Liam is here as always. Hello, Liam. Good evening, Chris. How are you? I'm all right, Liam. Smiling from ear to ear, I would imagine. Yeah, you? I yeah. am. Yeah. Yes. Second performance. Second Monday in a row. You've come onto the podcast and you've won a game and kept a clean sheet. We love Mondays. I mean, last season, I think we won one game on every single day of the week. Um but yeah, this season we could just carry on playing on Mondays. That's fine. Give us all quick kickoff times like it was today, quarter <laughs> six. And uh, yeah, we're smashing it. You've almost doubled your wins from last year now. So, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but no, we've good already performance kept from more, Villa. more clean sheets than I think we did last season. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah we you certainly yeah. keep them more yeah, than Chelsea, up. mate. So yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, obviously got a lot to talk about uh, this week with Chelsea. Uh, Man City and we're going to try and discuss the new handball rule that no one seems to be aware of until uh, this weekend Um, uh, but have you got a teaser this week Liam? I do have a teaser so after the roaring success that was the career path of a former footballer I thought I'd go along a similar route so um, this week I want you to name the career path of the player who's played for the clubs so he started his professional career in 1993 that's the only clue you're getting so far and he played for the Melbourne Knights and then he went to Dynamo Zagreb, Celtic, Leeds United, Middlesbrough and Newcastle. So I'll remind you of those clubs again later yeah. on in the podcast but you, you want to know whose mm. career followed that path. There's a few potential clues I can give you if you're struggling a little bit later. Okay. All right, well, I'll, uh, I'll have to think about that throughout. I think Leeds, Middlesbrough and Newcastle. Now, there cannot be many players that play for all three of those, so I'm going to have to get my thinking hat on, I think. A ponder. We will uh, move on to this week's talking points, and we're going to start uh, at the Hawthorns for the West Brom-Chelsea game. Um, more about Chelsea than West Brom. Um but it was a game of two halves, and unfortunately for Chelsea, three um, mistakes at the back have cost them probably uh, what should have been an easy three points. Um, again, it, to make three mistakes in one half and for that to cost you, it's, it's, you know that something still isn't quite right there. I was really surprised that Chilwell wasn't playing, actually, because he played in the Carabao Cup. Um, but apparently he still he still wasn't fully match fit, so that's why he didn't play. So he had Alonso, and he just had an absolutely terrible game. I can't I really struggle to think about the last time he actually had a good game for Chelsea, um, which is still struggling to find. But a really really poor first half um, from Chelsea, and it was just constantly giving the ball away, messing about with it at the back, mistakes from Alonso, Thiago Silva. And then um, from the corner, Reese James kind of let his man go and he had a free tap in. But I don't know what you thought about the first half, Liam. 
Yeah, it was. I mean, you've got new players at the back, understandably. So, you know, Thiago Silva making a mistake on his debut, you could kind of say, well, maybe he's not quite up to speed with things. It's a new league for him, but Alonso's played in the Premier League for a number of years now, shouldn't be making those kind of mistakes. Uh, Reese James, I think, from the corner, it just looks like everybody does their job in pushing out. Um, and he just decides to stay back. And it looks like he plays about three or four West Brom players mm. on side. But, you know, I would credit West Brom just as much. They were clinical. You know, a lot of teams struggle at the bottom. Will probably be given three of those chances and maybe not take every single one of them. I thought Callum Robertson's finishing was, was spot on, especially for the first goal. And um, it shows promise for them. But then, like you say, game of two halves the second half <laughs> was the West Brom that we've seen so far and probably the Chelsea that I think we're going to see later on in this I thought you I mean you look like a completely different team but attack, attacking wise some of the play Hudson Odoi's goal was was fantastic mm, yeah he, it looks like Havertz is linking him very well he changed yeah Hudson Odoi completely changed the game when he came on um he just injected that bit of pace that we needed going forward um I have to say, I thought Mount had an incredible second half and it was kind of him, I think, that his goal kind of pushed us forward. Um, I know we left it incredibly late to get the third goal, but um, I think being 3-0 down at half-time, getting it back to 3 or you know, you can complain that we made huge mistakes in the first half, but to get a point, to salvage a point out of that, um, I think it shows, you know, a good willingness to, to, to get forward and... and when we need to, you know, obviously he's changed the formation about three or four different times in that in that second half, just to adapt. He, he brought Giroud on for Thiago Silva, so we had yet another attacking forward with three strikers on at once. Um, I thought Havertz had a good second half. I thought first he, he sort of looked out sorts a little bit, but he seems to link up better with, like you said, with Hudson Odoi. That sort of fast player that's either playing beside him or, or in front of him um, but I thought some of the passes he made he, he just made it look so effortlessly and I think you know he's going to need time that both of them him and Werner I think are going to need time but you know like you said you can probably Havertz see almost. in the next sort of couple of games I think they'll move on from this and uh, and work better Havertz almost reminds me a little bit of Mesut Ozil in the Everything he does, just like you say, looks a bit effortless. Yeah, I think he's got good range yeah. of passing, but I think he works better when he's got runners around him. Almost with his yeah, back yeah. to goal. Yeah, that's you know, what it is. If he can get the, the ball the goal, 20 yeah. yards out and there's runners around him, he will always pick somebody out, which um, going forward I think is going to be important. I mean, you've got pace around him as well, obviously, with like um, when Pulisic is back yeah, and Werner's obviously extremely quick, yeah. Hudson the doy. And um, I mean, I, do you see it as a point gained from where you were at half time, or is that two points dropped? Um, well, I know Lampard said after the game it's two points that we're going to have to, you know, get back somewhere this season. So he obviously sees it's, mm. you know, we've dropped points. Um, uh, you know, before the game I was quite confident, um, but you know that soon went to shreds. Um, I've seen defence, oh. but. Confident as well. Yeah. Um, I, was, uh, I, I, I loaded my, I think, loaded my fantasy team with Chelsea players, and <laughs> obviously we have a history with West Brom being our rivals. And mm. it was, I 
extremely surprised by half time to be well, I think I think look uh, if I was to say at the start again if you know I'd say at the start of the game it was three points it would have been you know points dropped I think going into that second half I think if we were to get up I would have thought you know I thought in my head if we get a point out of this we'll be very very lucky you know so I have to see it as a point gained you know but you know, at the end of the we should be beating a team like West Brom. You know, tricky team, but that that guy up front as well. That is it, Callum Robinson, the guy that scored both goals. Yeah, he scored three Premier League goals right this. You know, he was obviously at Sheffield United last season. He scored against Chelsea last season, yeah. so, so he's only ever scored against Chelsea. Chelsea. So yeah, it, you know, it's a shame, but you know, I, I'm. I'm confident that sort of in a month's time, I think we would have sorted ourselves out. I think Chilwell, we need to get Chilwell back, you know, yeah, ASAP, because yeah. um, Alonso was just getting torn apart. There was one point in the game where the centre-back took it out wide and outpaced him, and Alonso brought him down and ended up getting booked, and that was in the seventh minute, so it's not like he was tired. But I think I think just Lampard just needs to find that formation that he thinks that the players are comfortable with playing because obviously he tried, he tried the two strikers this weekend. It didn't work. So second half, he, he put Werner almost out wide with Tammy in the middle. Um, I think Havertz's best position is by far going to be behind the striker. Um, I don't think putting him out wide, he's, yeah. he's anywhere near as effective as what he'll be. Like you said, with his, with, with his back to goal, He's, he's always going to be looking either side of him to try and put some through. And I think him and Werner, I think, will get that connection eventually. Um, you know, we have a long, long history of, of buying strikers turn out to be absolute crap. So um, I'm hoping he's not I one of them. And, he, and he's, he did show glimpses. He had a good shot on Saturday. He would have gone in, albeit it was, a, you know, caught a deflection on the way. So, you know... Um, but three three at the end of the day, a point's a point, I guess. You know, disappointed we didn't win the game, but after the first half we had, I never expected us to get anything from that. So one yeah. thing I will say from I think a West Brom point of view, and this this is coming from a team where I think in the year we got relegated, um, we would it, we were in games either drawing or winning, yeah. and ended up conceding late goals and a lot of the time last year as well we were in good positions I think we we lost more points from winning positions than anybody else yeah yeah I think from West Brom that is a worrying sign that you're 3-0 up and you've drawn 3-3 because if that comes a bit of a habit you're really looking at struggling you're going into the last Mm. 10 minutes of every game that you play from now on and thinking well here we go we're going to concede again um so I think they need to stamp that out quickly. But oh, definitely, yeah. It, it, it wasn't down to their mistakes, I will say that. The three good Chelsea goals, I mean, the last one you might argue, Johnson can palm it out, but, you know, Abraham's on the spot. He's he's in the right place, so I don't think you can... It's just one of those, isn't you it? Can blame them. Yeah, it was one of those, but, uh, yeah, maybe a point gained. You never know on the end of the season, do you? Yeah, it might, might come in handy. So we'll move on now um, to, well, I, I suppose... The result might not be as surprising, but I guess the scoreline is probably more surprising than anything. But Manchester City losing at home by five goals to two. Um, well, Wait, maybe they should stop fouling. 
<laughs> maybe they just yeah. got fouling players inside the box, and maybe they wouldn't yeah. be in such bad trouble. But to give away free penalty, Pep Guardiola must be absolutely fuming that they've given away yeah. free penalties in one game. I don't, I can't even remember the last time I actually seen three penalties given to one team, you know, in a game. Um, but I have to credit Jamie Vardy. His finishing was was on point this weekend. Keep um, going, doesn't he? He just just doesn't seem to be like getting any worse. He seems anything seems to be getting better and quicker, which is yeah. frightening, really. And uh, you know, from a Man City point of view, um, it's just very out of character for them. And again, if if any team needs another defender, which I think they have actually gone out and bought today um, in uh, Ruben Diaz. Which is a shame for all football manager fans yeah, out there because he was always a good player to get in. <laughs> so it's another one gone. Yeah. Um, and he's he's probably the right sort of person they need. Um, what that means for Akia, I don't actually know because he, he obviously Guardiola is very keen on like Laporte. So whether they go to a back three, um, I'm not too sure, but. Um, I, feel, I just think you have to credit Leicester for this more than anything. I think they just, you know, Man City were dominating sort of the first sort of 20, 25 minutes. And then obviously the penalty just kind of seems to switch their mentality and they just lost all focus. Um, but Leicester were really to watch. Yeah, I thought it was interesting after the game. Normally you get a game with that scoreline. The managers are quite diplomatic and the players are quite diplomatic. It was interesting to see Guardiola and Rodri both coming out and attacking Leicester and saying they, they didn't come to play. But they scored five goals against you, so they must have come to play. It's not <laughs> yeah. like they sat out for a nil-nil, was it? Because they sit back, did they? It's, that, to me, seems just a bit of a stupid comment. I thought Leicester played absolutely perfectly. I thought Rodgers' tactics oh, yeah. were spot on. They sat when they needed to sit and they made it difficult for City to pass through them. Yes, they let City have a lot of the ball, but the midfield for Leicester, I think is that good. I think it's as, basically as good as any in the league. Mm-hmm. They just sat and watched Man City ping the ball around. I mean, this is Kevin De Bruyne. He's a player of the year. They just sat and watched him, let him do his thing. And then they all sort of pushed as one, won the ball back and counter-attacked and that, was what led to the penalties. It's what led to the goals. Yeah. And at the back, City just couldn't handle it. I, I've got to admit, I, I didn't watch a game live. I, I called it up after, so I knew the score when I was watching it. But um, I saw three penalties, and after the weekend <laughs> we've had, I thought, oh, here we go. There's going to be three dodgy penalties, and that's why we've got so many. But they weren't really. I no, don't think. They were I thought they, clear. they were all pretty, pretty mm-hmm. clear penalties. Um, and yeah, Leicester. At the minute, you've got to say, I know we're only a few games in, probably looking like the team playing, well, maybe not quite, but maybe the uh, nearest to Liverpool in terms of form, shall we say. Yeah, to, to and, be uh, fair. How they're trying to play. Uh, if, they, if they hadn't restarted last season as bad as they did, they'd probably be in the Champions League um, right now. So I think... I think Tillemans is probably their most influential player. I think they need to keep him and they need to keep him fit. I think he, he works so hard in that midfield and he, he sort of lets Madison do his own thing, he, he, like give him more of a free role um, with Tillemans in that team because 
you know, they know that he's going to sit back and go forward. He's sort of that box-to-box player. Um, but, yeah, I was just overly all very impressed with um, with Leicester. But, obviously, for Man City, no sort of world-class striker at the moment. Obviously, no Aguero. I'm not saying Jesus no, is world-class, yeah, but he's out now for three weeks. Obviously, they had to call upon Delap. Yeah. Um, who I, I really wanted him to take throw-ins. But he didn't, yeah, he didn't take any. See. I just wanted to see yeah. if it was in the DNA. Yeah. But, uh, I, I never got a chance. But to be fair, he, he did it the crossfire when he came on. He um, all right. And he, he, he was working hard, but, you know, on, on, you know, I don't, I don't think Man City can use the excuse that they don't have an out-and-out striker because, they, you know, they've got De Bruyne, they've got Sterling, they've got Mahrez, yeah. they've got players yeah. that are capable Still of scoring goals. goals. So it's not like they've got no one in their team that can score. Um, but we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. The problem is it's so early on in the season to try and sit down and like dissect, oh, Man City, you know, going to be terrible this year. Or Leicester going to win the league, you know. <laughs> Football's changed this season. We're going to talk about it in a minute. But, you know, a lot, a lot seems to have changed since the new season started. Um so many goals at the moment, just an incredibly amount of goals, but none going in Aston Villa's net though. The only team to keep, uh, you know, uh, no goals conceded. Um, but you know, we'll, um, we'll have to see what happens to Man City. Obviously, you know, they, I think they've paid sixty-three million. Was it for Diaz today? I think. Um, so yeah. So, They've obviously, they've obviously pinpointed where they need to, you know, sort of tighten things up. I wish, you know, Chelsea would take a, uh, you know, a tip out of there, but because I think Chelsea could do with another defender at least before the the window shuts. But whether we're going to see that, I don't know. Obviously, the window closing next week, I think. So. I think it'll be interesting right, where it leaves. I've obviously you've mentioned Ake and you said they'll Ake, Laporte. Diaz, Otamendi, unless he's going the other way. I saw rumors he might be going the other way. I'm not yeah. too sure about that. Um, Garcia as well, who played at the weekend. Where does it leave John Stones? <laughs> because I think so if, it if you ask Southgate, he's probably still in with a chance of getting in the England team. Well, yeah, this is this and is this is what I mean. Fifth choice. You look at you look for England at the moment. We need English centre backs more than anything at the moment. You know, Maguire is is okay, yeah. but you look back 10 years when we have Ferdinand and Terry and you just can't see anyone coming in of that sort of quality. I mean, we had the time when people like Jamie Carragher couldn't get anywhere near the team. And you look at the quality that he was and you had Ferdinand and Campbell and Terry, like you say, all ahead of him. And now (laughs) what we would give for one of those four to someone just of that quality to just, yeah. I think the nearest we're going to get now is, is Joe Gomez, but with him, he's going to need a lot more game time at Liverpool. Yeah, um, he's been lucky with injuries, hasn't he? But he's going he's, to... I think he's been starting recently, so... Yeah, well, it's one all at the moment, I, Liverpool, uh, Arsenal game. Oh, well, I'm glad you're on the ball, Chris. Because, uh, Arsenal uh, took the lead with Lacazette, and then Mane has equalised, um, which is good for my dream team. But um, from what I can tell, Liverpool are... All over Arsenal at the moment, and Gomez is playing. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. 
They've gone for Arsenal have gone for a back five with Tierney, Louise and Holding as their centre backs. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. How many's played? Has played well. there for Scotland, I think. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, we'll see how that goes on for us. Just need a Bamiang score. That'd be quite helpful, but yeah. Right now, we are going to try and look at this handball rule. Um, <laughs> now I spoke to Liam before we started recording, and I said to him, I think my exact words were, "I've read the rules, and I'm actually more confused now than what I was." <laughs> I didn't know anything, which just seems mad. It, it seems madness, right, that this rule has seemed to come into play and no one seems to know what's going on. We're getting penalties, like Eric Dyer's penalty yesterday. It was just Stupid. a joke. Well, no, I know it's Tottenham. I know we don't. I know we love to see Tottenham dropping points, but how mad would you be if you were Jose Mourinho after yeah. that? Oh, and I know um, Hodgson. Um, there was uh, La- let's say yeah. Lampard, Hodgson, and some another manager's come out in their press conference today and said they think that they need to look at the rule again. Um, but I'm really confused about that. It seems that it's very biased in sort of the attacking players' favour. Now yeah. it seems like if the attacker does handle the ball it's not necessarily handball depending on about 15 other different rules that they've got. But if you're a defender now and it hits you on the arm, you're going to be in trouble from what I could gather. Um, So it's still anything below the armpit is deemed handball. Um, And I'm assuming the intent rule is still there, but, you know, if a shot goes towards goal and your hand is you know, even by your side, it looks like it's going to be given against you now. So I, I'm so confused, Liam. I, no, I know. Me too. I think the the dire one worst example because he wasn't looking at the ball. In fact, his, his whole yeah. back was turned. It was point blank. Yeah. And yes, it hits his arm. But unless you're going to say every time a ball hits a player's arm, we're going to play for handball that's that isn't a penalty there's no there's no way that can be no so that, one thing i think that annoys me more than anything is the consistency across the whole pitch because if that had happened the other way around and it was a defender heading it and against an attacker's arm by the rules i think that's not handball no it looks like because there's well. been Last yeah. season, I remember last season, the criticism that they got was basically every time the ball hit uh, an attacker's arm and there was a goal scored, then the goal got ruled out. So they've done away with that, but they've now flipped it on its head and basically <laughs> said any time it hits a defender's arm, it's, it's going to be a penalty or a free kick. Which well, we didn't yeah. want that. We, we just wanted yeah. that rule to be done with. Although, I think the reason they um, brought it in, according to Match of the Day, was so that we can be aligned with the rest of Europe, because I believe that is the rule across um, La Liga and, and all the other leagues. So I think the idea was that it was going to make us make it fairer for English teams in Europe. But 
we've known ever since I can certainly remember that playing Champions League football is always going to be different to playing Premier League football. You always yeah. know the type of footballer and the type of referee is going to be different. So you adapt your game to it. And that's what I think is stupid. Why are we looking at the rules in other countries mm. and saying, well, we'll we'll bend to your way of doing it? But uh, there was about four penalties this weekend. I, I think the, the Crystal Palace one was harsh against Ward. Um, the Man United penalty it was stupid in the way it was handled because he blown the full time whistle but to me that was more of a penalty than the others because his hand raised his hand Mm. is above and it it seemed a bit silly although he wasn't looking at the ball you can see that his arm's in an unusual place to try and block it so I can understand it even if it was handled really poorly um, but yeah, there was. Um, I think there was more. I think I probably missed some. Oh well, yeah, well, there weekend. was, was the, the third Chelsea goal. Um, Havertz, it hit Havertz yeah, on the yeah, arm. Exactly. Yeah. And last season, you know, that, that, that would have been, been just given, So, um, and if it had hit a defender, it would have been a penalty. Mm. So I don't understand the difference. Well, how can how can it happen in one box and not be given, but happen in the other? Well, I don't know. You know, the managers are calling for a review on it. I can I I hardly doubt that they're going to change their mind on this now. Um, It'll be next season, won't it? Mm-hmm. I think. But, um, we'll wait and see. But it's going to cost teams. I think this season. I know it's a rule, so it's there now. So they need to start, you know, learning them, but. It's going to make it a lot easier for attackers now to sort of, you know, bring the ball down. <laughs> Doesn't yeah. matter if you chest it, just arm it down, you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, it'll be all right. But, you know. Uh, cool. I just, and, and this whole, it has to be within the silhouette of the player. And if your, your hands are within the silhouette of the player, why don't you just make it just to... Just, uh, if it looks like you've done it on purpose, then give it a penalty. If, it's, if it doesn't look like it's been done on purpose, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. The, the whole reason you've got VAR is so that you can make those decisions now, not look at the fine, you know, one-yard blast from yeah. a, an attacker straight into an arm. I just think it's a bit stupid and it's a bit of a waste of time, really. Yeah, well, it certainly gave me a bit of a headache learning about that today, anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, I think we'll leave that there. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we. I'm sure we'll anymore. come back to yeah. it. I'm sure we'll come back. To it will probably be seasons. a running theme throughout the whole of, of this season. I think of um, what's happening. Uh, but Liverpool have taken the lead. Andy Robertson has scored. That's two one. Okay, so that's the end of part one. Uh, we're back in part two with a story from Liam. And I've got some wonders of white, and I'm going to try and guess Liam's teaser as well. So we'll be back in part two. Hello, and welcome back to episode three of View from the Sutherland podcast. Um, we're going to go straight into Liam's story. So, Liam, what have you got this week? So, during the story section so far we've been all over the world all through different times but this week we're actually going to stick close to home and a story that took place this very weekend so as we all know coronavirus obviously it's been everywhere it's postponed this season you know you can blame it for a lot of things this year but it's very rare that you can blame 
COVID-19 on arriving late for a game. So <laughs> basically this happened to Oxford United this weekend, playing away to Accrington Stanley. And as part of their COVID-19 precautions, everyone was using alcohol-based sprays and gels to ensure they kept hygienic when they were sanitising. Unfortunately, this included a system on the bus that sanitised the seats and the interior prior to them leaving the match. And as a cruel twist of fate, someone left the breathalyzer that the driver has to use before the coach can start when the alcohol spray was being deployed in the bus. So, cue the coach shutting itself down for six hours as a precaution because it thought the driver had failed his breathalyzer test and all (laughs) of the Oxford players and coaches had to make their own way from Oxford to Accrington, which is a very long way. Um, So they basically, the bus shut down once it realised that the driver, or it thought that the driver had tested positive (laughs) for alcohol. It thought the driver was drunk. And so the uh, failsafe is for the the coach to completely shut down for six hours. Um, So, yeah, they all made their own way in cars, taxis, trains, basically however they could get there. Um, So they were very late arriving into Accrington. Uh, but it didn't have an effect on them because they picked up their first win of the season uh, quite emphatically by four goals to one. So, um, yeah, the coach did, didn't um, do them any harm in the end. Did one of the players lift his shirt up when he scored and had a picture of the coach driver on there? <laughs> I wish. I think it all happened a bit too quick for that. But, yeah, it would have been nice. Oh, That's quite funny. Is this why you told me not to look at anything um, to do with that match? Yes, basically. Cause I, I didn't even know the story. Ah, right. Well, that's quite a funny story. I didn't want you having the look of, <laughs> of finding it and going, oh, I know what happened here, and then switching off. So, uh, yeah, hopefully no one else has heard that either. Um, but it was on the uh, Quest Championship highlight package that they uh, they play oh, out there. So that's quite funny this week. I used to watch that when uh, you ever won Oh, I used to watch that when Villa were there there as well but we're now not for very different reasons Colin Murray used to present that I don't think he does anymore does he he still is he still does he's does still he still on it yeah oh, he's still on oh. it he's bold now oh he's still on the radio though isn't he yeah yeah I think so he's probably he's, he's quite busy I think cool. he's, just, he's never off right well thanks for the story um I wonder how that driver must have felt when, <laughs> when the coach just shut down. He was like, oh, God. <laughs> I, maybe he felt relieved. Maybe he had actually failed the test and was, was just using this as yeah, an excuse. Yeah. Maybe he'd had, had a heavy Friday night and, uh, yeah, who knows. But, uh, yeah, you'd be embarrassed, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Right, let's move on to the wonders of white. Um, now... One of these wonders of why is there's a bit of explanation behind it. Um, I did some research about something I found out, so I'll, I'll save that until last. Um, but yeah, so first up, uh, since the 17-18 season, only Mo Salah and Aguero have scored more home league goals in England's top four tiers than West Ham's Jared Bowen. Wow. Yeah. And he got another couple this weekend, didn't he? Yeah, into that tally. Yeah. Um, since stats began for goals, um, goal times in 2006, 
Callum Wilson's penalty is the latest any side has scored with their first shot on target in the Premier League. Yeah, that probably goes to show how Spurs dominated that. <laughs> yeah, that was their only shot on. Good that one, was their man. only shot. Um, so yeah, uh, so we've got two foreign ones now. Our first up is German. Uh, so Schalke uh, lost their second Bundesliga game, and now are one goal and eleven conceded. And this is actually the worst start by any team in that league since records began. Um, and unfortunately, that has also meant that um, David Wagner was sacked as well after two games in the league. So, um, that's, a, that's early time to get rid of him, isn't it? Uh, yeah. So they lost um, seven. Was it nine, eight or nine nil to Bayern? They first game of the season, and then they lost to Wolfsburg three-one at the weekend. Um, a Bayern Munich lost as well, and Dortmund lost. So it was a bad weekend for the big German teams. Uh, so this one, this is a new. Um, so this is in La Liga, and this is actually two players actually broke the same um, record uh, this weekend. Uh, so Lionel Messi is now the fourth player to score in La Liga history in 17 consecutive seasons. Uh, and he actually um, was joined by another player this this weekend in Sergio Ramos, who's also now scored oh. in 17 consecutive La Liga wow. seasons. So this oh, got me thinking, who's number one? So uh, after a bit of research, it's a guy called, oh God, you know what I'm like, uh, <laughs> Ganzia, Ganzia? Uh, I think that's what we're going to call him. Uh, yep. So Ganzia actually played for Bilbao uh, between 1940 and 1959. Um, and he actually holds the record at the moment. for He scored in 19 consecutive league seasons. Um, before um, before Adruiz in 2017, he was actually holding the record for the youngest and the oldest goal scorer for the club. Uh, he capped in Spain in the 1950 World Cup, and according to Wikipedia, he didn't even like football. <laughs> uh, I don't know why they mentioned that on there. Uh, but his brother also played for Bilbao. It was actually his brother, his older brother, that um, basically told him he should um, start playing football, and uh, he actually got into the Bilbao side before his brother did. Um, so uh, yeah. Uh, so he was there for 19 seasons in Bilbao, and he played. He's he's got the. I think he's yeah. He's most cap player for them as well. 463 games he played in 19 seasons. So yeah, so uh, he actually holds the record. So if Messi can hold up for another three seasons, he actually beat that record. Um, as will Sergio Ramos. So yeah, that's uh, that's the one that's right. the goal scoring defender. Yeah. God, every year. So, right, your teaser. Yeah. Right, so he started in Australia. He did. He started for the Melbourne Knights in mm. 1993. And he yeah. then went to Croatia with Dynamo Zagreb. It's a very um, strange. He moved 
above the border to sell and then into English football with Leeds, Middlesbrough and finally Newcastle. See, the only player I can think of that's Australian that's played for Leeds is Mark Viduka. So I'm just going to say Mark Viduka. You've got some good logic there. Yes, it is Mark Viduka. (laughs) That's good. But I'll say this, I don't remember him playing for Newcastle. No, neither Um, did I. I remember the... This is why I was quite surprised. Yeah, I knew knew that he played for Leeds and Celtic. Um, Middlesbrough, I was a bit unsure of, but I remembered. Um, So his goal-scoring record... So basically the reason... um, looked into this is because um i was just looking at sort of old um old seasons uh, and stuff like that as as you sort of do and um i noticed that mark baduka's name was on a newcastle team sheet i thought i don't remember him playing for newcastle so i thought i'd have a look at his history and i thought i could use it for um for the little quiz today i thought I know how you follow the A League, so I thought maybe Melbourne Knights <laughs> might be a good well, clue not, for you. Well, yeah, they're well, not there not, anymore. Not but anymore, I thought, but... yeah, um, um, but I thought you you might you might uh, have a chance of getting it with it with it being an Australian player. But his actual goal scoring record is basically one in two, which is not bad for someone who played in the Premier League for yeah, well almost ten that years. Is good. I think. Um, he's probably most known for his time at Leeds. I would have thought out of the ones. I, I think. I think so. Obviously, he was there. He probably would have been there longer if they hadn't. Have, uh, he was. He was part of the Champions League. He was part of that Champions League side. They got to the semi-final, would not he? Uh, yeah, I think he, he was in the early noughties. I think it was. Mm. Um, just having a look at his stats, it says um, 2001. They played 16 games in Europe, so I'm assuming it was that year. Mm. But, um, yeah, he seemed to score goals wherever he went. Basically, um, he struggled a little bit at Middlesbrough, uh, and then. Obviously, as he got a little bit older at Newcastle, but he's uh, he basically back in Australia, he was averaging, averaging about a goal a game. And then uh, to make the move over to Croatia and then to Celtic, he was averaging almost a goal a game again. And uh, yeah, stuck it out in the league, um, in the Premier League. And he actually was one of the few Australians that uh, probably really shined. I can only really think of Harry Kuehl and maybe Tim Cahill. Yeah, I think Cahill. Yeah, there's a couple of keepers, weren't they? Schwarzer probably did quite well. Yeah, Mark Bosnich. A Villa legend, not a legend in your eyes. Well, yeah, he's probably one of the very few players that have played for both our clubs, to be fair. There's not many. Not too many. Gary Cahill. Um, Yeah, there might be one more coming up soon because because the longer the transfer window goes on, the more we're rumoured to be loaning either Loftus-Cheek or Ross Barkley. So, so um, to be fair, maybe next week we'll be talking about yeah. one of your guys joining us. I'd actually prefer to take Loftus-Cheek because I think he probably, that of the both of them, needs more game time, I think. I'm not sure what's going to happen. But to be fair, I think I'd be quite happy with both of them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, either of them, I should say. Well, I don't mate, think we're allowed both. Uh, you know, you know, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, drink water. Yeah. Was, that was him, such man. a roaring success last year. Yeah. No, we don't want it back, thanks. Although you do need someone to drive him to training, so, uh, you know, <laughs> he's not allowed. <laughs> yeah. 
What an idiot. Anyway, um, well, I got that one right, so um, well happy with that. But that, yeah, that was a little. Uh, there's, I don't. I think him starting at Australia was probably the biggest, um, the giveaway. I think there. Yeah. Um, like you said, there's probably only about four or five decent Australian players that have come to the Premier League, and you know, you didn't say Liverpool, so that was not cure. You didn't say Fulham, so and Chelsea, it's not Swampshire, so yeah. No, happy with that. For you. Was he was there. Well, yeah, he was there for. I think he was there for like three or four seasons. I think. But, uh, yeah. Anything else? Nothing else. So uh, me, other than Villa are going to get into Europe, obviously. Just wanted <laughs> to add that in there with flying. Uh, so we'll have a Yeovil update next week because um, the season kicks off on Saturday. So. Um, have you got Kings Lynn away? Oh, the so, new boys. Yeah, so we'll see how that goes. They've, they, they've not done too bad in the friendly show. Well, they, they started off pretty poorly, to be fair, but um, they played Bournemouth under 23 on Saturday, lost 3-2. Um, Charlie Daniels was playing for Bournemouth. Um, yeah, he's like 33. Maybe he he, scored, he actually scored. He, uh, the only reason I knew he was playing is because he actually scored for them. So, um, but I think he was the only really sort of senior player um, that I knew of, but... Yeah, um, so we'll do a bit on Yeovil next week. Um, maybe just a look at the, the players that are there now, because um, I'm sure they've probably changed from what you knew last season. So, Reese Murphy's still there, so we've still got goals. Bags of goals. Yeah, I think I, I think this I think they really need to kick it off this season. I, you know, financially, I think more than anything now they need to get up. Um, he released a statement today saying that they reckon. You know, each sort of national league side is going to have lost about 1.3 million. So that's a huge sum of money, isn't it? That's huge sum of money. money so ever, um, they did a test as well last Tuesday against Bath um, at Hirsch Park. They had a thousand fans in the stadium, um, but then obviously a day later, they the government released saying that, that they won't be allowing fans back into the stadium. So. So I think a lot of the clubs around that level are really going to struggle now. Mm, yeah, so we'll have to see. I think the government, he seems to think the government are working on something that they can hopefully, you know, secure their survival. Um, you know, Yeovil did really well with crowdfunding. Um, they raised a lot of money as well. So, um, yeah, I think this will bring this will bring teams together and unfortunately it's going to break a few teams as well. Um okay. So um, I think we'll start seeing maybe a few teams dropping out. Um, but I think we'll have to have to wait and see what happens. Um, but yeah, so we'll have a, a bit more on that next week. Um, but that's it from me. Um, and you, Liam? Yeah, that's it from me. Right, so see you next week. <laughs>